Welcome to Bible Q&A, a monthly discussion of Luther Seminary faculty about everything you wanted to know about the Bible but were afraid to ask. I'm Catherine Schifferdecker. And I'm Eric Breda. Today, we're joined by Lois Malcolm, Associate uh, Professor of Systematic Theology here at Luther. And today, we're going to be talking to Eric about his essay for this month uh, called, What or Where is the Kingdom of God? Uh, so uh, thank you, Lois, for joining us for this discussion. Well, Eric, we have a question to ask you, especially about the kingdom of God. Um, and that is, you know, we, we don't think about kingdoms anymore. Um, can you translate? What are we talking about when we talk about the kingdom of God? I think that's one of the basic difficulties we face with this idea, an idea that just permeates all the gospels. I mean, it's, it's on Jesus' lips constantly. He's talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom is at hand. Uh, but that language, I think, in a lot of ways is foreign to us because I think for mo- you know most of our listeners live in democratic governments where we don't think about a king and a queen and royalty and we don't think about someone having this kingdom that they rule over. And I think that sometimes makes it hard for us to imagine what this kingdom of God looks like. Um, what the kingdom is, is, is God's presence in our lives in a powerful and palpable way. It's, it's God's reign. It's God's rule over us. It's what the world would look like if God were with us um, as closely as we can possibly imagine. Um, It's an imagination about a world uh, where justice reigns, uh, where God alone is king, uh, where disease is vanquished, where death is gone. Um, So I think we face difficulties in the language itself. We we don't think about kingdoms anymore. But we also face difficulties sometimes because our our world is full of disease and full of death, full of injustice and tragedy. Uh, So sometimes our imagination has to work really hard to imagine a world in which those things are no longer relevant and no longer powerful. So when we when we talk about the kingdom of God, are we are we just talking about heaven? Are we talking about the place we go after we die, where disease is no more, and you know God wipes away all tears from our eyes and those think, beautiful images? Yeah, we face that temptation, and I love those images, and I think um, they're a balm in our lives at very important moments. Um, but the kingdom of God for Jesus in the Gospels wasn't just a future reality. It wasn't just about a place we go to after we die. Jesus not only spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus acted as if the kingdom of God was present and real. Um, and we see this, I think, most, most powerfully in the many ways that he healed people. Um, that when he reached out and healed people of, you know, the issue of blood or of leprosy, there we see in a very palpable and very real sense what the kingdom looks like. So again, it's not just for the future, not just for tomorrow, not just for next week, but something we can experience right here and right now. Um, it's... It's not deferred for Jesus. It's not something that we have to wait for. It's something that we can experience right now, even in the midst of all this uh, tragedy in our lives. The kingdom is here and powerfully here. Because Jesus says the kingdom is at hand, right? It's right right here. Yeah, Yeah, it's one of the first things that the Gospels will say. You'll have uh, John announcing it, Jesus announces it. um, And he doesn't mean the kingdom is at hand, heaven is around the corner. He means, um, I think for the Gospels, it's the very presence of Jesus, that means that the kingdom is at hand. I think we see this in Luke chapter 4, for example. So Jesus gets up and, and preaches his first sermon, and he says, uh, this reading has, uh, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if in his very presence, the kingdom of God is here. Um, e- again, even as it looks all around us that it isn't, in Jesus, it is here. 
Now, you, you've mentioned healing in relation to the kingdom. Can you say more about that? Because that's something central in the Gospels, especially in relation to Jesus' embodiment of the kingdom. Yeah, when we think about Jesus, I mean, we think about he preaches about the kingdom of God, he teaches in parables, and he's a healer. Um, uh, what I think is really important to notice about these healings is that these healings are not just physical. Jesus is not just curing somebody of a, of, of a physical concern. So, for example, the, uh, the example I use of the woman with the issue of blood, um, it says there that she has sought the help of physicians many times over. Uh, for her, this isn't just an issue of, of, of physical wellness. It's certainly that. But for in, in the ancient Jewish imagination, in, in, this, in this thought world, uh, things like uh, blood and dead bodies made you unclean. And this isn't an issue of hygiene. It isn't an issue of... of of, of anything like that. What it is, 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 is your ability to draw near to one another, to draw near to your neighbor, and thus also to draw near to God. If you're unclean, you can make other people unclean. And if they're unclean, then there is a wider gap between them and God, a, a gap that you have to go through certain rituals, certain uh, cleansing rituals uh, to make yourself well again. The woman with the issue of blood um, is constantly unclean. She should not be around people. She should not be near God. But notice what she does is that she's so courageous that she goes into the middle of this crowd and touches Jesus' cloak. Now, what should happen is that her uncleanliness should be transferred over to him and Jesus should be made unclean. But instead, because the kingdom is, has come, because Jesus has arrived, uh, the normal order of things is turned upside down. And he's not made unclean. Instead, his cleanliness makes her clean as well. And she's no longer a threat to her neighbors. She can draw near to them once again. And thus also she can draw near to God as well. These are not just healings about um, your physical infirmities, but also your spiritual and relational infirmities. It allows us to draw one closer to one another and draw closer to God as well. So Eric, I, I'm imagining that some of our listeners or hearers might think, okay, so when Jesus says the kingdom of God is here, that's all well and good for those people who lived in that time and place, right? So, so when Jesus was there, of course the kingdom of God was there because God was there in, in Christ. Uh, but, but what about us? And, and okay, sorry. Uh, and, of course, when Jesus comes again, as we, as we uh, claim, as we believe, uh, then the kingdom of God obviously will come because Jesus is coming in glory and power to judge the living and the dead, right? But but what about this time in between, in, in between Jesus' first coming and his second coming? Yeah. Is the kingdom of God here now? Yeah, we might be tempted to think that uh, as long as Jesus is around, then the kingdom is here. So Jesus was around then, he ascended into heaven, and now we're waiting. So we're not really in the kingdom, we're waiting for it to come, the second coming or with our death. And I think that actually is incorrect. I think that... Um, Jesus promises to be with us um, whenever we're gathered together, whenever we pray out, when we're, whenever we cry out for God. I think Jesus and the Spirit walk alongside us and empower us to do this kind of work of the kingdom. Now, I think when we think about Jesus' healings and we think about what that might look like today, uh, we might be tempted to think about a big televangelist healing people left and right. And, you know, we've probably seen this on TV when uh, somebody touches them on the head and they fall over and flail. That's not exactly, I think, what we ought to imagine. But that there are ways in which the Spirit empowers us to live into the kingdom of God right here and right now. And this can take lots of different shapes, I think, in our lives. 
Uh, what would it look like for God's justice to reign, for God's love to be known by all people? What would it look like for people on the margins of our society who are normally not included, who we don't even notice, who we don't even acknowledge in our daily lives? What if we brought them into the very center of our lives? That's what the kingdom looks like. So I think the kingdom in our lives, the way that Jesus works through us, um, is bridging these fractures between us, uh, of bringing people together, of empowering us to see people who are normally invisible to us and bring them into the very center of our lives. There are ways in which the kingdom of God um, interferes in, in even the smallest ways, in, even, even in the kind of most ordinary moments of life. So much as the woman with the flow of blood who is uh, ostracized or uh, is considered unclean, uh, much as her healing uh, affects reconciliation between her and her community, so the kingdom of God now, uh, this is what I hear you saying, right? It affects re- reconciliation between people. I think that's right. I think it's, it's the, the bridging of these, um, of these fractures and these scars that we've developed over time but between one another uh, in ways that... Um, um, you know, we can't break bread together. We can't sit in the same pew. Um, we wouldn't be seen in the same place together. Yeah. I think the kingdom of God is working when those divides are being bridged. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, we talked with you, Lois, uh, uh, about the spirit uh, um, in, a, in a previous podcast. This obviously has pertinence here as well, because while Jesus is not here physically with us now, it's Jesus' spirit that enlivens us. Is that exactly? Yeah. And where do we where do we see the spirit enacting the kingdom amongst us now? You've touched on this already, but as we as we conclude this interview, where how, where do we where do we discern signs of the kingdom? I think wherever um, wherever people of faith gather, I think the kingdom is there, uh, because we cannot gather without the spirit being with us, without that bond uh, that draws us together. And the the incredible thing about uh, churches and communities of faith is here you have people who have many, uh, the world sees them as having many better things to do on a Sunday morning that's gathered together to break bread, to worship. But people that have nothing else in common, no blood ties, um, may not otherwise know each other, can come together on this particular day uh, and worship uh, and break bread together. I think there you see the kingdom of God working. I think whenever you see Christians uh, living out their faith, Whenever you see you Christians reaching out for people who don't have very much, uh, for people who are broken, who are people who need healing in whatever shape that might take, that's where the kingdom exists. So I think the temptation to wait on our hands, wait sitting on our hands, maybe I should say, and wait for God to do something, for God to interfere in our lives and to change the world, um, I think that temptation keeps us from seeing the ways in which our hands and our feet are already empowered by God to do that very work, um, to reach out to our neighbors, to reach out to our coworkers. Um, the kingdom of God isn't always played out in, in big ways, but in very small and very subtle ways, in ways that we might not even notice and acknowledge, the kingdom of God is at hand, is at work in our midst. So I think we, uh, as Christians, can develop eyes to see these opportunities in these moments when we can reach out and live into this kingdom already. And uh, I like that. So, so part of our task is to de- de- develop the eyes to see and the ears to hear, to perceive where God is at work, because it is God, God and God's spirit that is at work. 
It's not we that bring about the kingdom. It's God working in us. And, and God us. has already moved ahead of us often. Uh-huh, uh-huh. God has kind of prepared the ground for us. Yeah. Uh, I think God also calls us to reach out with our hands, to notice the people we don't normally notice, or Certainly. to, to yeah. see somebody's uh, brokenness that needs to be healed. Yeah. I, as you were talking earlier about uh, the community gathered, uh, people who may not associate with each other uh, in any other place, I, I thought about Revelation 7, 9, where uh, John says, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, singing, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. So that's a a, a revelation, an image of the kingdom of God uh, then, and, uh, and we see glimpses of that even now. I think so. I'm always struck in that passage, that a book that is so obsessed with counting things, mm-hmm. the one time it cannot count, that John cannot count, is the number of people that will be gathered at this moment. Mm-hmm. You, got, you got numbers, 144,000, <laughs> seven, and five everywhere. But this is the one moment when John can't count the number. And I think we're tempted to think that's all in the future. But that can happen every Sunday morning. That can happen every Wednesday morning at your job. It can happen at any moment. If you have eyes to see, the kingdom of God is truly at hand. Wow. Thank you, Eric. That, that's beautiful. Um, th- and thank you, uh, those of you listening. Thank you for joining us on Bible Q&A. You can find more information at enterthebible.org. Join us again.